My name is Randy Banning. Um, my husband and I get to be um, get to head up the care team here at Regen, and um, we also serve as part of the oversight team. And the the four little people back there are ours. <laughs> Try not to trip on them as you go around. Um, so if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Acts, chapter 17. Um, we at Regen try to just kind of go through the Bible um, chunk by chunk um, or book by book. And we've been in Acts for about a year um, with little breaks here and there. Kyle likes to refer to, refer to it as Netflix binging. And so if this were a Netflix special or a show on primetime, you would hear previously on the Book of Acts. And um, the scene would open on Paul, who is a man with a really strong personality. Um, he also has really strong convictions that he backs up with really strong actions. And Jesus gets a hold of Paul in a super miraculous way. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, technology is scary for me. <laughs> um, so Paul is going around. He's going on tour, basically, and traveling from town to town. He is preaching the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus, and he is being guided by the Holy Spirit, and he's starting little churches, communities that live a drastically countercultural life, serving Jesus together. And then on Netflix, the music would get a little intense, and you would see this angry mob of mostly Jews gathering and following him from town to town, confusing the new Christians, stirring up trouble, um, getting him in trouble with the law and um, even getting him thrown in jail and beaten. And so this is the situation that we Paul find Paul in in verse 13. It says, But when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble. The believers acted at once, sending Paul on to the coast, while Silas and Timothy remained behind. Those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens, and then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join him. So Paul is in Athens. It's a much larger city, so the Jews that had been stirring up trouble don't have quite as much clout here. But Paul is alone. You see, Paul has made a point all along to travel with other believers because they serve to encourage him and hold him accountable. But now he's all by himself. And I'm sure some of you can kind of relate. You know, we come to church and we engage with other believers and it's easy to come out of that feeling so bold, right? But then you go into your life, into your workplace, you might be the only Christian in your home or the only Christian in your neighborhood, and it kind of gets a little harder to like live for Jesus, let alone share him. Yet we are called to 
go and make disciples, right? And so we see Paul, he, he's by himself, but he is still walking in tenderness with the Holy Spirit. And I like to imagine him kind of like a safe cracker. You know, he's not just like bashing through. He is going tenderly. Paul's example is helpful here because Paul is 100% human. Okay, so like, you know, we hold Jesus up as the example, and he absolutely is. But Jesus was also God. So it's easy to come up with the argument, well, yeah, I can't live with like Jesus because he was God, right? That's a whole other theological question. But Paul, we don't have that excuse. Paul was 100% human. He was flawed. He made big mistakes. But yet, his faithfulness to walking with the Holy Spirit shows us that we can too. So, we can become tender to the Holy Spirit as we go about our day, and we can follow his little nudges. In verse 16, it says, While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. So Paul is in Athens. The city is about a century past its prime. So, you know, it's not like quite what we envision it, but it's not the ancient wonder that we see today either. So, yes, there were all the idols that were carved in marble and things like that, but they were probably brightly painted. We don't see that now because time has washed that away. But there were also idols of wood and fiber, and so when it says that there were idols everywhere, we mean everywhere. Paul was overwhelmed by the fact that there were idols everywhere. And Paul, walking tenderly with the Holy Spirit, has some strong feelings about that. So, the New Living Translation says, deeply troubled. I think that's kind of putting it a little nicely. In Greek, the word is paroxaneto. Paroxuno in all of its forms only occurs a handful of times in the Bible. And when that happens, we pay attention because the author had that specific meaning in mind. So, paroxuno means angry, sad, grieving, it's the kind of emotion that makes you sick to your stomach. Um, it means to sharpen, to spur on, to provoke, to irritate, to scorn, exasperate, burn with anger. The only way that I think we can really imagine how Paroxuno might feel is if we were to find our spouse in bed with a friend. Ugh, right? The only ones to feel this feeling in the whole Bible are Paul, here, and God himself. You know, God 
has the Israelites, his chosen people that he created and set apart and has a covenant with. And they go and melt down a bunch of metal to make a cow and would rather spend time with that. That feeling that God is feeling there, that is paroxuno. Paul sees this amazing Athenian city, so full of feats of life and human potential. And he feels paroxuno because this is so far from what God created. He feels that anger. It's the kind of anger that makes you act. Gary Chapman, the author of all of the love language books, also wrote a book on anger. It's really good. Um, he says, human anger is designed by God to motivate us to take constructive action in the face of wrongdoing or when facing injustice. So what does Paul do? Does he rage out screaming in disgust about all these idols berating people and setting fire to the temples? Absolutely not. Raging out is the easy way out of intense feelings like paroxuno. Paul doesn't rage out. Paul digs deep and reaches out telling people the good news. But things start to get a little more intense. In verse 18, he also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what is this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You're saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seemed to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. Okay, so first of all, I think it's so funny that the Athenians are weirded out by what Paul is saying. Um, my kids spent almost a year super invested in Greek mythology and Greek history. And we would be driving down the road listening to podcasts, and I cannot tell you how many times I almost drove off the road because the stories were so out there. And I'm like, what are we listening to? <laughs> um, I mean, Athena burst out of J Zeus's head, right? And they're fine with that. But a god who is kind enough to take all of the wrath and punishment upon himself, die, and then is powerful enough to raise from the dead. Somehow that's too far for them. <laughs> this turns up the intensity on the situation. Paul is facing some serious challenge here, even to the point of being taken to the council. We can benefit still from Paul's example here. Yes, sharing the gospel might make your life a little less comfortable. It might make the temperature of your life increase. If you share Jesus at work, you might get sent to HR for sensitivity training. If you share Jesus with your family, 
it might make Christmas a little awkward. Yet, Paul does not back down. And we can't back down either. There's something really important I want us to pay attention to, though. Notice, Paul isn't raging out, even as the intensity of the situation is increasing. So Paul, this is verse 22, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose for the nations is to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he set a day for judging the world with justice by a man he's appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Paul is walking in tenderness with the Holy Spirit. He is feeling paroxuno, and yet Paul doesn't rage out. He reaches out in compassion to the people of Athens. He doesn't focus on all of the thousands of behaviors that are standing between the Athenians and God. Instead, Paul goes on a treasure hunt for the good that God put there from the very beginning. And he finds their piety, their dedication. And he starts there. It's not hard to find people that we disagree with, right? Super easy. Um, we may even feel that paroxuno when we come face to face with a person or a group of people that are just so far from what God created them to be. Yet, if we follow Paul's example, we can reach out in compassion, go on a little treasure hunt, and we can find their creativity or their selflessness, or we might find their dedication to a cause. Those are characteristics of God himself that he put there. It's part of his design, and that is the place we can start. What's cool 
is that Paul didn't even come up with this concept on his own. You see, if, you will, if we look at the overarching story of the Bible, we see that God created man, and like they are working together in a way that we don't really even understand. And man chooses to walk away. But what does God do? God doesn't rage out. God comes to earth in the form of Jesus, again, takes all the punishment on himself so that there is nothing standing between us and God except for the distance that we put there. And that's the other thing that Paul does here. After reaching out in compassion, Paul doesn't start picking at the behaviors that are standing between the Athenians and God. He focuses on God himself. He says, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. He is Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. Paul didn't start a campaign to destroy idols. He didn't rage out about the temples to Athena and Zeus and Nike, even though he is standing in their shadow. He focused it on God himself and what his desire is for the Athenian people. And if this were a Netflix special, the music would swell and somebody would start a slow clap <laughs> and everyone in Athens would turn to Jesus. But we read in verse 32, when they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. And that ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. It would be easy to look at this as a failure. Paul didn't start a big church here in Athens at this time. He actually tells the Corinthians that they're the first church in the area, and he hasn't even been there yet. But as Paul is walking in tenderness to the Holy Spirit, experiencing these strong feelings about the condition of the world he encounters, and then reaching out in compassion, he's keeping in mind that he, meaning Paul, is not the hero of this story. The hero of this story, and every story, is God. The God who created us, who died for us, and who is patiently guiding us toward himself, where we were created to be. Paul knows that whether one person or 100 people turn to Jesus, it's ultimately God's responsibility and to God's glory. So wrapping up. Friends, walk in tenderness with the Spirit. Ask God to point out the people in your life that he's already working in.
We call them people of peace. They will listen to you, they will welcome you into their lives, and they will serve you. When you're struck by the dissonance between the world we live in and the world God created, and you start to feel that paroxuno anger boil up, don't be afraid of it. In fact, thank God for it. But then don't rage out. That's the easy way. Dig deep and reach out in compassion. Then remember, God is the hero of the story and every story. <laughs> you don't have to throw people over your shoulder or drag them to the foot of Jesus. You can just keep your eyes open, walk in tenderness, and participate in what God is already doing. Or maybe you're far from God. Or maybe you're running completely in the other direction. I've been there. <laughs> Let me quote Paul in saying that I pray that you would seek after God and perhaps feel your way toward him and find him, though he's not far from any of us. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for providing so many powerful examples that we can follow in Paul and in other people in the Bible. Father, thank you for just being who you are. Thank you for doing all that you've done. We trust you, Father. Help us to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are just going to take a moment and reflect on what we've heard this morning and then kind of think about what it is that we're going to do about that, how we're going to respond. So the question that I have for us is, what do you do with your paroxuno? Um, I love the way Randy put it, do you rage out or reach out? And just how can we be in our own unique situations reaching out? So um, we're gonna take a minute and think while Julia plays and then I will pray for us. Thank you. 